After a month-long break, the Flophouse gang is together again to try and abide law-abiding citizen. Everyone and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Uh, I'm I'm Stuart Wellington. It's been so long since we've done this. I wonder. Wait, can I remember? Yes, I'm Ellie Kalen. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, been like remember. a month, guys. Mm-hmm. In podcast t- terms, there's a new generation of mm-hmm. listeners. Yeah. We have lost all of our past listeners. I prefer to think of it as the podcast went into the Disney Vault for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and now that we're out again. People will be more excited about it. I prefer uh, thinking of it as we burned down some old growth forest, and uh, now we're going to tend a new crop. Of, uh, so what happened to all of our old listeners? We burned them. <laughs> we literally burned them. That's why it's been a month. We've been going from town to town throughout the U.S. and burning them alive. So like all of our pretty young female listeners are now like hot hot milfs. What? <laughs> Why, why is got burning them, turning them into hot milks? Because I like scars. Oh, okay. It, it adds character. Yeah. So what do you think that they it all... burns. Burns are pretty you gross. you think that they all uh, got pregnant and delivered their children in that time period? In that yeah, month. probably. Yeah. Okay. Well... That's how it works, right? Let us know if, if there are any Flophouse babies born in the last month. Sure. We'll dedicate a show to them. Yeah. And by Flophouse Babies, I mean that you must have conceived them while listening to oh, us. I, I thought it was the cartoon series where it's you, me, and Stuart as babies, <laughs> and Nana takes care of us, we, but we never yeah. see anything but, but her feet. Do we live in a castle? We live in a castle, <laughs> okay. and we use our imagination to have adventures. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Flophouse Babies! That, or? That's a literal lift from the Muppet Babies theme. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. what about this? Flophouse Babies! You're just no, singing like the same one. thing <laughs> That's different. Again. It's a different Ooh, song. Better. Okay, guys. Well, um, I've almost forgotten what we do on this podcast. We but watch movies. Yeah, man. bad movies, I think. And then what do we do afterwards? We discuss them. Hmm. And We discussed them? <laughs> we discussed Sometimes. them. Sometimes. <laughs> um, and this... Fine day, for it is a day. We're recording during the day it's for once. It's a beautiful once. day. We're really sacrificing our we day. We should be outside Sarah. playing some ultimate frisbee or sure. a hacky Yeah, or sack. some other hippie thing that yeah. hippies do. Do like a drum circle. Playing <laughs> 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 with <laughs> devil sticks. Where are you from? <laughs> outside of a fish show. Uh-huh. But instead, we're inside watching Law Abiding Citizen. Star- <laughs> I couldn't <What>? see that <laughs> We saw the do, movie. Do, do it yeah. over, dude. For one, I haven't even been drinking like I normally do during these. Uh... Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. You're like Christopher Hitchens. We watched Law Abiding Citizen mm-hmm. uh, starring Gerard Butler. Yeah. Our favorite actor. Yep. He's been in more flops than any other that we've talked about, right? <laughs> and also Jamie Foxx, who was in uh, one of the first movies. The first, literally the first, the first one. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Stealth. Stealth. Yeah. I wasn't here for that one. Uh, well, it was a really bad movie. Mm-hmm. But Jamie Foxx was in it. How is that possible? I know. It's hard to believe. Um, I think part of it was that it was basically just a ripoff of 2001, and I think that was it. Oh, a little short circuit thrown in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wish 2001, Hal hadn't been evil. He'd just been kind of a bumbling and confident <laughs> computer. If I recall, at the end of Stealth, uh, the evil uh, you know, plane that was killing everyone did become good again. Like it realized the error of its ways. Yeah, I think it might. I don't remember. Yeah, let's not talk about stealth. We didn't watch it. T- well, today. it learned that uh, it's a curious game. The only way to win is not to play. <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, likewise, the game that uh, Gerard Butler the was game playing, of justice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. armed justice. The only way to win okay, is to not have your mo- your wife and mother of your child and your child die. <laughs> he says, if the wife and the mother of the child were two different people, <laughs> sometimes it is, dude. That's <laughs> true. Uh, should we explain the plot of this film? Yeah, why don't you go through the labyrinthine twist and turn? Oh, sure. Uh, Gerard Butler plays an engineer of some kind who has an adorable daughter. He's like an inventor. Yeah, and a wife. Uh, within the first four minutes of the movie, uh, maybe within the first three minutes, Gerard Butler's wife is stabbed and raped, and the daughter is killed off screen and presumably also sexually assaulted. And Gerard Butler is stabbed in the gut. Wait, you presume that? 
I mean, they, they it's were... It's pretty implied, I think. Okay. Maybe the, the bad guy does go, kids love me, yeah. and then oh, okay. brings her into another room. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Terrible. Um, terrible stuff. Uh, <laughs> these The two of them, it's two criminals. One of them is really bad, and the other is just an accomplice. The really bad one ag- agrees to turn state's evidence on the other one uh, in exchange for a lighter sentence. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Gerard Butler's very unhappy about this because one of the guys is going to go to the is going to be executed, but the other one is going to go free in a couple years. Jamie Foxx is the uh, prosecutor okay. for the city of Philadelphia who hand, who makes this plea deal uh, in mm. order to get one conviction in the fear that otherwise he would get no convictions. He's like an assistant district attorney or something like that. Yeah, but as he says, he's like, we don't have a. He said he's saying to Gerard Butler, we don't have a case. But they do have an eyewitness uh-huh. yeah. and DNA evidence of some kind saying that, that the victim's blood was found on the well, perpetrators. Uh, Elliot, uh, you know, Gerard Butler blacked out for a few minutes, so that makes him an unreliable witness. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. This <laughs> no, is- even if you see someone's face, if you black out thereafter, uh, legal precedent says that you cannot be an eyewitness. <laughs> yeah. um, That's the way it works. Our legal system is messed up. Uh-huh. That's what yeah. the movie should, is all about. Someone should teach that legal system a lesson. Yeah. Okay. Flash forward ten years. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. No one different. Ha- no one has aged. Technology is exactly the same. Styles. It seems like the only reason that they could they flash forward ten years was, I guess, to give Gerard Butler time to plan his plans, and also so that Jamie Foxx's unborn daughter in the first couple scenes can grow up to be old enough to play the cello in accompaniment to some of the other scenes. Yeah. And uh, so, enough reason. so one of them is uh, just getting executed now. I suppose one of the there, was two a, there was a lengthy appeals pl- process. That, that makes uh, sense. People stay on death row for a yeah, long time. Yeah, all this. Yeah. Uh, you would have thought at some point somebody would have listened to him when he said that he didn't actually. Because the guy who's who's getting killed, right? He didn't. He, he didn't it, actually do anything. Well, he was there, but he didn't. He was there, but he didn't commit either of the two murders. Okay. And you can see in his face during the scene, he's uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I was not on board for child rape and murder. <laughs> since they break into this house, steal two candlesticks off a mantelpiece, and then kill two people and run away. It doesn't make sense. A victimless it's a very untargeted <laughs> attack. He's like, uh, two guys with a baseball bat come in, and they're like, oh, well, they got it some... You got some things on the mantle here. It's called a, called a crime this, of opportunity. This dude. looks like a maybe this. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we've got the a silver po- <laughs> silver picture frame. I'll take that. It'll fetch upwards of ten dollars on the open market. But there's a uh, okay. Well, it's we, for the thrill, you know. Yeah. We should make the plot uh, quick. Basically, the one who's being executed, he gets lethal injection, but something's been uh, his chemicals have been messed with, and his death is incredibly. <laughs> and he painful. becomes the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> um. They go to the police. Think that the other the other murderer who's now out of jail uh, did it. They track him down, and he gets a mysterious phone call leading him away from the police and to a warehouse where Gerard Butler uh, drugs him and then proceeds him. to dismember him as revenge. Revenge over, right? Mm-hmm. No. What? Because I don't think so. Gerard Butler wants to teach Jamie Fox a lesson, and this involves. Killing basically everyone in the uh, Justice Department and the DA's office in Philadelphia yeah. uh, in increasingly elaborate ways as he sits supposedly in solitary confinement in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, how's he doing it? How's he pulling off all he these must crimes? must have an accomplice, right? He yeah. must. He must. It's the only way. The and only way that makes any logical sense. <laughs> meanwhile, they they know he's committing these crimes. They make no attempt to keep an eye on him or watch him. He's in. Well, he's, he's in so- solitary. He's in Elliot. solitary, but it's basically like you know. a locked room at the bottom of a hallway that nobody goes. Nah, it's down. solitary. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. And uh, the city. We're not shown this, but we're told that the city is shut down. People are afraid to go to work or to school. I would be. Uh huh. Because as unhappy. like a regular uh, citizen, I'd be terrified to learn that someone was killing specifically police officers and uh, and criminal lawyers who were involved in this one case. Yeah, ten years ago. So uh, that would we, that would that would bring things to a standstill. And should we give away the ending? Yeah, please do. Jamie Foxx and his uh, policeman buddies find out that uh, Gerard Butler was actually a super genius when it came to killing people. Mm-hmm. who used to work for the government, and he has an elaborate 
hideout underground. So he's not just like a regular everyday Joe. No, even though he says several times, "I'm an ordinary guy. I'm just a law-abiding citizen." It turns out he's all—he's actually a super-secret CIA assassin. Uh, he's got a headquarters underground next to the prison, connected to his solitary confinement cell by a tunnel. And every night he is sneaking out of his cell and rigging up traps to kill people, and then getting back into his cell again. Huh. And he sets sounds up a, plausible. <laughs> and he sets up a bomb at the mayor's office for some reason. And uh, Jamie Fox, uh, realizing that the law is impotent mm-hmm. at this point, puts it under Gerard Butler's bed and allows Gerard Butler to blow himself up. <laughs> case closed. Case closed. <laughs> the case of the murdering guy. Yeah. Over. Chalk another one up for the district attorney. Another slam dunk. So it's an incredibly stupid movie. Yeah. And it would want you to believe that it's about, I guess. The limits of justice or the limits of the legal our, system. Our liberal or, legal system. Letting, yeah, letting criminals go free. There's a lot of like, what about his civil rights? I don't care about his civil rights anymore. You know, and things like that. But, yep. And a judge who is <laughs> who is incredibly eager to let people off of charges for any reason. Yeah, there's a point where like Gerard Butler um, says he's going to confess, hasn't, hasn't signed a confession yet, and then makes an argument in court that because he hasn't done that, and there's no other uh, evidence. He should be going free, even though he's agreed to sign a confession in the future. And the judge's like, yeah, I'll allow it. And then he starts railing against the judge. He's like, <laughs> see, you did this last time. No, no, you're always letting criminals go free to kill and kill again. Yeah, he kind of set her up. And mm-hmm. he, he plays a game of kind cat of. and mouse with the cops saying, like, oh, I'll tell you where this missing person is that I've kidnapped if you bring me a steak lunch, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. At, steak at 12.30, and uh, when it comes a little late, oops. A, a T-bone yeah. steak, the bone being the important part. Yes, because then he then uses that to kill his cellmate. Yeah. And for um, pretty much no reason except to get him into solitary, I guess. Yeah. Luckily, the prison only has one solitary confinement cell, and mm-hmm. he's already dug there's, an amazing tunnel. There's got to be a non-murder way to get into solitary. I mean, it was either that or I just... I mean, I don't or, know that much about prison. Just, like, life. try and punch a guard, maybe? Or just, like, pee in a cup and throw it on a guard. Yeah. Okay. I guess that'll get you there. I mean, at least for a day. Maybe, I mean, especially once he starts his murdering rampage, and he'll stay in solitary. And everybody knows he's doing it. Oh. Yeah. Maybe there's some something we don't know about between him and his, his cellmate. Mm-hmm. Maybe... They certainly didn't seem to be friendly. No, I mean... There, there was definitely a little bit of antagonism there. Like it was not, just sexual tension, Stuart. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. I <laughs> misinterpreted. Gerard uh, Butler does look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, As does, I said, watching it, how can a man in such good shape look so doughy? <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's pretty cut. He's got a '50s bodybuilder look, where it's like he's muscular, but he's not slim. Well, well, he's not svelte. He's, but, but also, when you like take his his shirt off, like you can see the definition of every chiseled. muscle. Chiseled. It's just that his face. I mean, looks there's no Ryan Reynolds, his back. but well, you see him. You see him nude from the back, and he's kind of a lumpy guy. It seems like maybe those are muscles. You know, <laughs> but they don't look good. Someone attached like... <laughs> some clamps to his extra face flesh and just like started like pulling them out. You know, like in Brazil. <laughs> the face. Or maybe it's, Catherine it's like his gets. face gave birth at some point, and it just hasn't tightened back up. <laughs> wow. you really hate Gerard Butler. He's gonna beat the crap out of you. Yeah, this is and this is the best performance we've seen from him so far. On the no, podcast. there's a certain. I mean, you I certainly certain... I would rather that he won over Jamie Fox in, in this yeah. film. Well, Jamie Fox is the least likable hero I think in movie history in this movie. Yeah, he and learns. I mean, what's no... up with Jamie Fox guys? I mean, like sometimes some days he's like a rapper. <laughs> some days he's a some days he's an actor some yeah, days he's a crazy. comedian uh-huh. what's the deal how do you explain it can't pen it down he's a modern day renaissance man <laughs> no but I mean, just don't, don't know what to think you know listen Damon Wayans just wrote a novel about old ladies so anyone can about old ladies yeah wait what it's in like the Tyler Perry mode of uh, uplifting vaguely religious novels about black people yeah not like, a Medea style old lady yes not just yeah, Medea, know, not, like not, kill, kills her children. In not like a Miss Marple uh, oh, mystery yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> I wish it was a. It was like a murder she wrote type yeah. thing. No, but like one of the reasons why Jamie Foxx is so unlikable is he refuses to learn his lesson all throughout the film. And when he finally does learn his lesson, the lesson he learns is that the the legal system doesn't work. Rather than maybe he shouldn't have done a plea bargain for this horrible, horrible murder. Yeah, just apologize to him. Yeah, yeah. Seems kind of weird at this flowers. point. Yeah, they've been holding on to it for ten years, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And people keep dying. Yeah, <laughs> ten years of tunneling. Yeah, that was. Th- I mean, 
there was that really cool moment where the, he uh, Bernard or Gerard Butler <laughs> set himself Butler. on fire. Bernard Jutler. <laughs> <laughs> where Bernard Jutler, uh, <laughs> the bomb exploded, and there was like that moment of him kind of like looking at the camera, and he's like surrounded in flames, like mm-hmm. like a phoenix reborn from the ashes. Except, well, except he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't come back. I mean, he's dead. <laughs> well, except like, for law-abiding citizens. He's being too. accepted into the yeah. maw of hell. Law-abiding. Oh citizen. yeah, that makes Same sense. Symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like Jamie Fox. As part of his job, I guess, just blew up a man in the prison, like, and then in the next scene, he's at his daughter's cello recital, and everything's okay. Now, I don't know a lot I about ha- the job of a of a what, DA of a assistant. He, this is attorney. after he's been sworn in as the DA. But even the mayor that, says to like, him, "You're doing a terrible job. The city is on high alert. Everyone's worried. I'm gonna have to swear swear you in as DA." Viola Davis, by the way, the mayor, Academy awesome. Award nominee yeah. Viola Davis, swearing an Academy Award nominee Jamie Fox. Mm-hmm. Academy Award winner, didn't he win for Ray? Did he? Oh, maybe. I think he did. Then maybe he's an Academy Award winner. Now, what I don't quite understand is I didn't realize that the job of the assistant district attorney was to like run around and go to crime scenes and like <laughs> solve fucking crimes and shit. <laughs> is that really the case? Well, it's really more, I guess, administrating the office that organizes the arguments in court against these cases. Yeah, I mean, taking all the evidence that is brought to them by the police. And then you like building a uh, a criminal case against the person, right? Yeah, he is at the scene of the crime very often. Yeah, and like anytime something might be happening, he's jumping in a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that the I think the district I mean the district attorney's office has its own investigators, but I don't think they would be taking yeah, like lead the on the attorney. Uh, on the thing. What? Well, the district attorney also, isn't like a McGruff figure, though. Sure, he is. He's a dog in a trench coat. <laughs> okay. Also, there's a one guy who's like. Apparently holding the entire city in a grip of terror, but the newspapers never show his picture. We never actually see the city behaving mm-hmm. erratically in any way. Yeah, we're just told about it. He, well, Gerard Butler is able to sneak into uh, City Hall just wearing a mustache <laughs> at the very end of the film. <laughs> and a cap. Yeah. And well, a cap. there's a lot of subtleties to his disguise. It's like the way he holds his body, oh, okay. his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got he's got a slightly more gravelly voice when yeah. he's talking to people. Yeah, he's like Lon Chaney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, I guess the reason anyone would see this movie is <laughs> for Gerard Butler's turn. Of Gerard Butler—he <laughs> becomes a different character every time. But I guess for the elaborate kill scenes, which uh, yeah, it's like it's like a Saw movie, but with a vigilante instead of well, I guess Saw is kind of a vigilante well he's a vigilante for well, living your life to the fullest oh, okay <laughs> so it's like defending your life with albert brooks but yeah know, it's a lot like murder. Murder defending your life isn't that doesn't that take place in outer space or no, it takes or place something? in heaven oh, okay <laughs> which thing. i guess heaven is as far outer space as you can get yeah i mean it's pretty much outer space um but yeah, like it's it's basically like a, a bunch of crazy Rube Goldberg things where people are set up and then they're gonna die, right? Hmm. Well, and then it gets well, not a- even that crazy. I mean, like, I, I mean, they're crazy in that they're weird, but there's no Rube Goldberg. Well, the craziest one is the first one. He get where he gives a, or I guess after the lethal injection, where the other killer he give has a, ha, uh, he's given him a gun. And then when he pulls the trigger, spikes come out of the handle, which have some sort of pufferfish poison mm-hmm. on them, sure. which then paralyzes him so that Gerard Butler can cut his body parts off. Yeah, and by the way, when pufferfish was mentioned that early in the movie, I was <laughs> looking forward to a much crazier movie than this ended up being. Yeah, well, there's something so unnecessary about it. It's a poison from the bladder of a pufferfish, and it's like... Why not just say there's a? I've just paralyzed you with a toxin. Like yeah, yeah just it sounds tell me ridiculous. Gave him the Hong Kong cocktail and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep your adre- adrenaline up. But then yeah, later it's mostly that. like exploding phones, exploding cars. Well, not exploding phones so much as like a phone that like shoots the judge <laughs> through her head. head. Yeah. Well, and it apparently only goes off when she's in the presence of our main characters. It, it was timed <laughs> to go off only in an ironic moment. <laughs> yeah. So she says. Well, that's the great thing about being a judge. You can do whatever you want. Opens up phone, a phone blows her head Famous off. last words. Well, this brings me... <laughs> you know? They are. They're quoted everywhere now. <laughs> this brings me to what I kind of felt was the stupidest scene in the movie, which is... Uh, the cello? No, it was after uh, Gerard Butler said, you know, sh- you know, show me you've learned your lesson. You can stop all this or whatever. Like, let me go. Um, or, you know, tomorrow at 6 a.m., everyone dies. And so... Uh, or let me go by six. By six a.m. Or, or everyone, everyone dies. dies. 
And so, like, the law people are all, like, pulling an all-nighter for some reason, and they're all together. I think law people is the second. <laughs> <laughs> they're all together in the law people offices. Sure. And, law uh, people room. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, uh, you know, everyone is looking up at the clock, and the, the minute hand goes to six, and everyone looks around and like, well... We didn't die, and uh, guess we're they, gonna live forever. Yeah. <laughs> guess the danger has passed, and then they all leave, and of course, get in their cars, which blow up one by one. <laughs> yeah, and one of the, one of the women, this one of the people uh, Jamie Fox works with, Leslie, Leslie Bibb, Leslie Bibb uh, named after, uh, of course, the article of clothing, sure. uh, the Leslie. <laughs> She is just the old switcheroo. We know, <laughs> we know she's gonna die because she's. We haven't seen her for like an hour in the movie, or we have, but just in brief moments. And mm-hmm. then she starts talking about her boyfriend with Jamie Foxx, and it's like, okay, well, we've learned something personal about you, so you're gonna go. But then she gets in her car. All these other cars start exploding, and she looks at Jamie Foxx like, "What do I do? I don't understand. Where can I? Huh? Like, ne- and doesn't seem to figure out that she has control over the doors of her car. Yeah. And it's it's and kind so of it's really out. a shame because in the ten years that elapsed <laughs> uh, since the first case, she really did not age very no. much. Like mm-hmm. she nobody was, did. She, she had great, great jeans. You like, could say that. I know. Wait, like like in her body or like the things she was wearing? Both. Yeah. Because okay, wow. I didn't see the second. Mm-hmm. Maybe I missed that. I'm just imagining. You've got to assume the yeah. casual She's, scene. Like, yeah, the casual wear. Mm-hmm. She's out drinking with her fellow law people at sure. the law bar. Yeah, where all the like the, the law students are at. Uh-huh. They're like hillbilly sexy jeans with panels cut out of the butt. <laughs> okay, that sounds sexy. <laughs> wow, you have constructed a more elaborate fantasy around this than. Well, listen, she's a lawyer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Like what, like so a half got, shirt? So she, so she cuts loose on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, Lawyers love wearing uh, Daisy Dukes around. <laughs> well, then I guess she died as she lived, you know? In a car. Yeah, in a exploding. car. <laughs> I mean, from the portrait you've painted. I don't think words. I mentioned that at all. Oh, okay. It seemed like the 10 year the ten year difference was so unnecessary. It could have been one year later. Or, yeah. Yeah, or but, three years I later. I mean, he dug a lot of tunnel, right? Mm. That's and true. that's not a euphemism. <laughs> I normally would use that What as would it a be a euphemism for? Uh, we'll cover that later. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a 10-year project. I mean, planning all this this masterminding out and then uh, having a warehouse that you uh, dig a tunnel to the, through the prison for. you gotta you got to do that really quietly, I imagine. <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, also, Gerard Butler's did- character is, like, it's established, um, what, midway through the movie that he was, like, a crazy CIA assassin operative. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't just... They get, fucked like, with the wrong Mexican. Well, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let, let me get back to my point, Daniel. Uh, but I'm surprised that a, uh, that a character that already has that moral flexibility... His first outlet is like, okay, let's see what the justice system is going to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that seems crazy. What? I'm surprised his first thing no, was, that was to his, kill the guys. That was his before. fall from grace. Like he, you know, he'd given his life to the to the U.S. government, and he sees how he gets repaid. But then he doesn't take his problem to the U.S. government. He takes mm-hmm. it to the Philadelphia justice system. <laughs> also, when, and also, why doesn't the government step in and help him out with this? Also, when he's later on trial, how come he has the exact same judge and the exact same prosecutor that presided <laughs> in the trial over the murderers of his family? It, this movie, it seems crazy. You have to assume this movie takes place in a world where Philadelphia has been decimated by some sort of virus or zombie plague. Oh, okay. There's mm-hmm. only about 45 people left in the city. That's what happened in those 10 years we didn't so it's, see. So it's kind of yeah. like in the in the second half of the Akira graphic novels. Exactly, yes. Where they're living in the ruins of Neo-Tokyo. Yes. Sure. Or between Mad Max and Mad Max 2, Road Warrior, okay. where there's been a nuclear war and society has crumbled. Wait, there, there, wait, there's been a nuclear war between Mad Max and Mad Max 2? Yeah. There wasn't one before Mad Max? In the first Mad Max, it's It was like, just like a... In the first are, Mad Max, the first one was, things were just shitty? Yeah, yeah it was exactly. just a white line nightmare. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> it was just a white line nightmare, yeah. But uh, yeah, in the first in the first movie, it's the uh, things are bad, but you know you still have lawyers, okay. the government, regular television well, broadcasts. What happened between yeah, uh, Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome? Yeah, things are bad, but we're not just talking about the sound dubbing. <laughs> No! Between Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, uh, George Miller got too much money. <laughs> People and, started uh, building Thunderdomes all over. <laughs> and so Barter many towns. Thunderdomes. Well, but you could see well that you make that Barter Town is the beginning of a new organized society. It's like an old west type mm-hmm. place. It's the Cyclical. same process you see in like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. 
Right. Or season two of uh, Deadwood. Okay. I think we've learned something. I like Thunderdome. Did you? Yeah, I still can do. Yeah. I just I don't, don't quite the, know why. There's a the lot most of dumb Tina things. Turnery in. about all of them. Well, because it's the only one she's in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I'm cool with that. And there's yeah. I actually like the first one the best, which is kind oh, of unpopular. See, I like the second one. Call. Yeah. I just like yeah, how, I love how low budget it is. They have big pieces of metal on them, but. Well, well, we're not talking about the movie we watched <laughs> right. anymore. Law-abiding citizen. Yeah, which I mean, it's kind of a strange title, don't you think? I mean, he, he's anything but. The, I mean, well, but I agree. That's the other thing is the whole thing is he keeps saying I'm a law-abiding citizen, I'm a regular Joe, and the system's done me wrong. But he's not. He already he like like you were saying he was already lives in this morally gray world of CIA assassinry. And, I mean, this is a movie, I guess, like, who is this movie's targeted toward people who, like, Yeah, people. Who, well, yeah, human beings who really? watch movies. <laughs> I assume, presumably. Like, not one of those movies for dogs. Death, <laughs> death penalty advocates is, uh, yeah, like, is targeted People to. who hate the Constitution and civil rights. Yeah. yeah. And a little bit to people that are just way into vigilantes and revenge movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like, people who just really love Rorschach from The Watchmen. Um, and... The Watchmen. Just I'm Watchmen, not really yeah. familiar with what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, but what I think is like, what I think is strange is that they also like they had to throw in your face that annoying title like law-abiding citizen. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure he is, and he's blowing a bunch of people up. Like, like at no point, I don't know. It's just irritating. <laughs> it's just a level of attitude. <laughs> it is a very it's irritating and stupid. Well, it's, Stewart's review of the movie. I don't know. It's just irritating. It's a movie that at no point stopped to think through what the hell it was about or saying or what all, the audience was supposed to think well, other than like, except whoa, for, her head blew up. Except for it clearly thought it was saying something profound. And yeah, like, and like the, didn't know what it the was. early bits where they're trying to like show this guy's like how how the legal system just can't handle like – a, a, a murder case. Yeah, a murder case. <laughs> like a fucking open and shut case. They're try, <laughs> they try and make it seem like, oh, the legal system's so fucked up. And they just throw out all these random legal mumbo-jumbo like phrases. And I guess they're just assuming that their audience is just going to nod their head and be like, wow, that's terrible, man. <laughs> we just right. saw. We just He's saw, right. Yeah, this is based on a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> but like the audience just saw like a woman get like killed and then raped. And so they're immediately going to be like, Siding with Gerard Butler on this one. I don't know. It's so stupid. But it's all, well, also later he says, like, all right, I'm going to confess to these crimes. And, the, uh, you know, and then they go to court and it's like like uh, we were already talking about. the He makes the case then that they can't hold him because of the confession. It's like, why didn't they get the confession as soon as – before the arraignment? Oh, you and, know? The, and the – It's just like they, they set the legal system up to be so incompetent that it's unbelievable. And the preceding scene where this veteran prosecutor, I mean over 10 years of experience, <laughs> interviews this guy and Gerard Butler keeps saying things like, I wanted to murder them or I thought about it. And he's like, oh, great. I got a confession. And like, even I, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And Watching, I'm like, like, yeah, he, he didn't has, say anything. He never said, yes, I killed him. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, just, it's stupid. It makes me mad. Well, even just like he murders a man in his cell, and then he's never seems to be brought up on charges for that. They just throw him in solitary and then leave him. There. Like that's another crime he has to answer for. You know, yeah, it's not like once um, you're in jail, they're like, well, whatever he does here, he's already being punished. Can't like, convict him of murder count. twice. <laughs> <Yep>. Yes, <laughs> it's you can. Double jeopardy. <laughs> double jeopardy. You already committed a crime. We can't convict him of another one. I guess you're free to go. <laughs> he was too smart for us. He. uh he, he he parked near that hydrant before killing those people, so also, now he can't get him for the later judge. Now, they find him. They find the body at property he owns. They have video of him dismembering this guy alive, and they're yeah. like, "We don't have a strong enough case. We got to do what he says." Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it, if anything, well, he had his dismemberment mask on. You oh, remember, I see. Remember that? That's just ridiculous. I think this movie makes me push all the harder for a no escape style prison island. <laughs> Or <laughs> where you you ship guys off so they can't build tunnels and right. sneak back and forth, or some sort of there. death race. And you know what? Also, I think this movie was great because some sort of moon prison. You know, we we were just talking about how awesome this movie was. 
And I was really <laughs> yeah, happy to was see that what we were doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot, I blacked out yeah, for a couple so. for an hour. Well, too. your your testimony so, is is not valid anymore. Can I anymore. listen to the tape? <laughs> no. after? Good one, Dan. So we <laughs> open shut case. But one of the things I do want to bring up is that this movie brings back a triumphant return to the evidence dungeon ah, because yes. they do find a dungeon filled with like newspaper clippings and semtex and all everything's labeled all of like his disguises are there shitloads of blueprints and that dude has a lot of disguises in a room that i think there's <laughs> like maybe a about a foot of water at the bottom if i recall i don't remember he that part. all his fucking disguises down there like the humidity would ruin those <laughs> well i just love that the entrance is underneath his his cherry refurbished 50s cadillac <laughs> that he keeps in a warehouse like if it doesn't get any more like superhero-y, super villainy than that, I can accept the evidence dungeon here though a little bit more because it's like more his lair that he has to his 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 operations have to go from. Although it is always hilarious to me <laughs> when a criminal feels like they need to put up their news clippings on the wall, <laughs> like in case they forget why they're doing it. Yeah, it bothers me more the evidence dungeon when it's in like a serial killer film when it's like okay, I know that serial killers you know often take trophies but they're usually like is that true or did just movies tell you that no that's true but like it's usually like in the way of like a personal item or like a body part compulsion or something okay they don't then like make collages (laughs) of murder and post it on the wall you know or you know cut out the phrase serial killer murders again and put it up Uh, anyway. They don't. <laughs> well, all right. I do. You think, I've do you think they ever go on their MacBook been or whatever? Any serial killers have MacBook dungeons. and type serial killer murders again, and then <laughs> print like... it out in different fonts. They've got a Google <laughs> alert set up for serial killer, and they're always sure. hoping it's them that's being talked about. Yeah. Well, do you think with the death of print, uh, <laughs> do you think serial you killers see a lot more of... <laughs> email printouts taped up to walls? Yeah, a lot of email, a lot of like Twitter posts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. A lot of a lot of bloggers. Well, they're OMG serial, serial killer strikes. G again, you know. They're gonna get the serial killers are gonna get those electronic uh, picture frames, and it's just gonna be like a <laughs> like a photo uh, photo slideshow of uh, all their clippings. Oh, like uh, for on their desktop. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then in the future it'll be like holograms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like maybe hologram videos of them doing it that they made that just, they just play on the wall over and over again. That sounds awesome. In front of their video, it's me screen killing this person makes it look like they live next to a jungle. Yeah. Wow! Out the window. Oh, that's pretty cool. And wait, so and also like, like uh, Back to the Future Part Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you get Dominoes, and it's like a tiny little pizza, and then you put it in a thing, and, and it becomes huge. a giant. Pizza. And everyone yeah. faxes your fire to each other. Yeah, that's and where's their solar shades from Pizza Hut? <laughs> everyone faxes your fire. It was a fad that that's swept the nation in the, in the future. <laughs> and you got flying cars and Jaws fifteen. Yeah. Uh-huh. By the way. They've got some catching up to so, do to, well, to, to make it a Jaws like, 15. It takes place in 2015, right? Back to the Future 2. They're like, ah, here's an interesting thing. A dust jacket on the book. Well, I really, I don't know if those are really going to go out of style the next five years. Well, here's another thing about Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, <laughs> this it, is the podcast for law-abiding citizens, if, by the way. <laughs> if, Biff, if Biff created a separate timeline, how did he fly back to the original timeline in the time machine, which allowed Doc and Marty to go go back. That, that doesn't make any sense. Wait, what That's, do you mean? What? When Biff went back to give him give himself the uh, this sports is the, This is the character back. of Biff from the movie Back yes. to the Future Yeah, Biff too, Henderson, yeah. David yeah. Uh, Late Show with David Letterman, stage manager. <laughs> okay. He would. He created a divergent timeline, the like the, the yes. horror, horrible timeline. Biff but, World. But then it's called Biff World. <laughs> but the only way that Marty and Doc get back <laughs> is that what to it's referred to in, uh, in various among, Back among, to the Future fans. Uh, among BTTF fans. <laughs> Let me finish it. The only, <laughs> That's what it's referred to as. The only way that Marty and Biff are able to go back in time is because uh, old Biff then returns to the original timeline. And if he had created a divergent timeline, he would have just like gone ahead into the future of that divergent timeline. But what? That's where they were. No. The the original timeline, Marty and Doc were at you know like the the their the future version of Marty's house and in Biff, Biff World. No, not in Biff World. <laughs> Biff World was later, and they like he they go into the future to save Marty's kids, yes. and that's when Biff takes the almanac and he goes back, and then he creates a divergent timeline, but he somehow flies back to the future. In the original timeline... I don't remember that part of the movie. Oh, for God's sake. This has been such a waste when of time. When do Jules and Vern come in? 
Man, <laughs> again, people across the nation one? turning off their podcast. There were dinosaurs in the Back to the Future cartoon series in one episode. Oh, okay. They created a world where dinosaurs continued evolving and became had like a people type civilization. Oh, that sounds awesome. Do they wear suits and stuff and like mm-hmm. yep. tennis shoes with their claws poking out of them? And drive cars. That's awesome. They may not have worn shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too bad. I think we can all uh, agree, though, that the best part of Back to the Future Three was uh, <laughs> so ZZ Top really playing <laughs> playing the uh, the barn dance. I, I mean, it's up there. I don't know if it's <laughs> no. the best part. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is a movie that takes place in the Old West. I mean, it's mm-hmm. awesome. I just like their like Silverado. Uh, he doesn't have the frisbee. They're old time, yeah, like Silverado. It's like their old timey version of Double Back that they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's up there with I guess the best moments from Young Guns too. Yeah, sure. Oh man! Or that that James Boys movie that came out about ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you remember that one about the Jesse James game? No. Yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Or we, you know, like the Newton Boys? No, yeah, they're safe crackers. <laughs> stop. It's a lot like stop. Uh, assassination stop. of Jesse James. Stop talking about Robert sub- Ford. Yeah, like, yeah, same kind of thing. Or like Subpar. Appaloosa. Yeah, <laughs> westerns. Yeah. Anyway, Seraphim so, Falls. Let's uh, move on to judgments because we've. Clearly, our final judgments? Our final judgments on law-abiding citizens. Final judgments. The three categories are, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you actually kind of liked in some way? Elliot, go. Me first? Well, I have to tell you that I did enjoy the energy behind some of the kills, such as we didn't even mention the robot with a gun and a missile that fire, <laughs> that shoots up a car in a cemetery right after a funeral. But I am going to have for for the... Uh, lack of logic and goodness in the movie. I'm gonna have to give it a bad, bad rating. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? I'm and gonna how, say how incredibly unlikable the hero of the movie is. You do want Gerard Butler to win because at least he looks like he's like having a good time. You know, mm-hmm. he's cutting cutting it up. But uh, what you say? no, I'm gonna say that I part of me wants to say something good about this movie, like like slightly good bad because it's just so stupid. Like the thing about the movie is you can't. I guess really... you could you could have a good time watching some of it. Yeah, I mean you can't really laugh at it. It's not like a bad movie that you laugh at because it's incompetent so much as you a bad movie that you kind of enjoy just because nothing makes sense. Like it is so dumb. There's not a brain in its head. <laughs> yeah. However, ultimately, it's not enough. Like I think it's a, just a bad, bad movie. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I think my biggest problem is I'm going to give it a bad, bad. And I think the reason I like I liked it so little is it had that like almost like conspiratorial attitude of like the filmmakers like nudging you, the viewer, like know what I mean? This justice system's fucked up, <laughs> and you're like, well, you're just making crazy shit. Yeah, happen. don't like, don't assume that we agree with you, movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's uh... like the like the old racist guy at the bar who's like. You know what I mean? You're like, no. <laughs> He's like, come on. You're like, what are you talking about? I thought I was going to say like Dave Sim in Cerebus, uh, having his female characters say crazy things against men and then using that as evidence that women hate men in the real world. That's true, but that's a completely crazy person. Yeah. Oh, well, then the racist at the bar. We can go with that analogy. Okay. And that mine is less of like a vague reference. Well, it's not vague. I mean, Mine was way more specific, specific than yours. Extremely specific <laughs> reference. The problem is perhaps that it's so specific that a very small portion of our audience will understand. Let me explain again. It's like the scene if uh, in a, if on a winter's night a traveler by Italo Calvino, okay. where sure. <laughs> keep going. Wow. Okay, if you I can reference uh, Sinclair Lewis's Dodsworth for a second. Hi, it's Dan here. If you like listening to The Flophouse, why not visit us on the web at www.flophousepodcast.com, where you can find show notes, videos, fan art, and links to Wikipedia synopses of all the Flophouse films, so you can play along at home. If you're looking for more Flophouse stuff, check out our Facebook page, where you can discuss the show with other fans, or subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Flophouse Pod. Your support helps us build an audience, so if you like the show, why not vote for us at Podcast Alley, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're there, take a moment to write a review. Links for everything can be found on the webpage. Lastly, we love hearing from you, so if you have thoughts, feedback, or suggestions, let us know at theflophousepodcast at gmail.com. Now back to the show. 
we have some letters, but I don't have them for us to read. Mm. because Damn hosting fail. <laughs> because uh, I didn't hook up my printer today and print them out. So uh, that's on me. Well, do you remember what they said? I, re- I imagine uh, one of them went, Dear Flophouse, I love your show. Stewart is really funny when he talks about his penis. Elliot sure knows sure. a lot. Well, that's all I know about the Flophouse. <laughs> Goodbye. Signed, <laughs> some f- some great listener. Some fool. Jo- Joe Everyman. <laughs> Last name Signed, withheld. law-abiding citizen. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit, don't answer that. <laughs> no. no, I don't remember the specifics, although there was one that was very happy that I put up a message on our uh, website saying that we were still something that existed. So, okay. Yeah, we did that take that. We should apologize for the long break we took. Yeah. Although, you know what? We yeah, do we, this we, for we, no pay, so we've, we've, why should we apologize? We've had a lot of stuff, like you've been busy, and you've been busy too, and mm-hmm. well, I, you know, I've been unemployed for a little while now, and... Are you going to talk about this? Yeah, like, oh, it's just, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough out there, guys. <laughs> I imagine it is, like, shopping for, for guns to kill yourself, shopping yeah. for bullets for the guns. Yeah. Going to tea party protests. Well, I was going to try and go with a crossbow. <laughs> wow. Really? Well, because, I don't know. Well, for just, class. Yeah, it seems cool. It seems like that would be really hard to, like, just well, like to, hold up to your well, head, like in a one of those steady old enough big way ones too, that, that you need to wind with a yeah, and that normal that the, like the uh, like that they would usually protect themselves with a large pavise. This, <laughs> this uh, killing yourself uh, plan seems less uh, well put together than well, the, even the the one where you catapulted yourself <laughs> <laughs> just into the distance. Sure, yeah. Well, that was the problem with that was the lack of foresight. I didn't actually have a clear vision. I didn't have like a vision of success. Yeah. You shouldn't have done it in like in front of the ocean, too. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. Any soft landing. Mm-hmm. Time you tried to so- kill yourself with kindness. <laughs> that didn't work. No. You felt really good, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for a little while. <laughs> Put on a little weight, though, from all the ice cream you're, you're eating. Well, the other day, he, tra- he thought he'd compound it with a death by chocolate, but... Yeah. <laughs> and, my, and my grilled cheese hamburgers I was eating. Yeah. <laughs> grilled cheese It's where you hamburger. put a hamburger in between two pieces of grilled cheese. <laughs> Wait, so in between uh, grilled cheese sandwiches or just pieces of cheese? No. Because that's just a cheeseburger. No, no, no. I'm saying you take uh, two grilled cheese sandwiches and okay. like, I, I, a hamburger I, in the I, middle. So it's like I a imagine you like but with kinda, cheese yeah. sandwiches. You make grilled them really sandwich. thin, like, like with a panini press, so they're like more of a... I mean, you could. <laughs> I like a big Texas toast. Okay. You, you make but that's because, you know, I'm from the country. <laughs> you also make the cheese sandwiches on French bre- on French toast, yeah. Well, so it's really thick. Yeah, make, that's, that's what I'm. Make, that's what I'm doing. Make like a nice brunch. You make, the, you make the grilled cheese sandwiches out of French bread pizza. So, <laughs> and Oreo pizzas. Well, the bottom is Oreo pizzas. The top is Red Baron. And then you, got, what kind of cheese are you using for this? Wait, on what the 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 cheese, on the cheese sandwich that's cream made cheese, of, of course. Okay. And then the, you put and a hamburger on the bottom. And then you put a hamburger in between. Yeah. Well. You know, like, I like to call it a steak burger, but that just classes it up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's like a, a big fried egg on top of the whole thing. So. Mm, no, not so much. Sounds uh, like a, a couple of onion rings. The national yeah. s- sandwich of Uruguay. And um, some guanciola, un- yeah. unsmoked bacon. <laughs> Comes from the hog's jowl. Wow, very specific. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. Well, so that my sandwich. Oh guys, we just talked about my sandwich. Okay, your oh, suicide yeah. sandwich. Suicide is hilarious, guys. Stuart Let's... Wellington suicide sandwich. I think the recipe should go up on the website. <laughs> well, we'll I think my video of me making one should uh, transcribe that and eventually send me put the out recipe. our Flophouse cookbook. Yeah. yeah. What movie would you name that sandwich after in our Flophouse cookbook? Would it be um, the Law Abiding Sandwich? Yes, I like that one. <laughs> the thing about that sandwich is that. Um, it you know kind of turns everything on its ear everything that like you've been come to believe you come to believe about this world like it kind of mm-hmm. pokes holes in all the hypocrisy yeah. of it all yeah it just takes 10 years though everything yeah, that's the thing everything you used to thought a sandwich was used to thought <laughs> a sandwich was it's cool it's been a while since you've done a lot of improv right <laughs> i haven't talked in a while yeah. okay yeah um so, so what other letters were there uh, there were so we answered the first one <laughs> okay <laughs> I can't remember. I will have those uh, for the next time. Do we um, do anything else in this podcast? We, we the, What we do now <laughs> to close things out and to not seem like we're jerks is uh, we talk about... <laughs> everyone's looking around because I have 
my phone is ringing off in the distance. And to the I Halloween the, theme. The Halloween theme is my... So uh, I thought Michael Myers was coming to kill yeah, us. Yeah, it was very distracting. And I was trying to find the DVD player so I could turn off that shitty movie. Okay. Oh. Wow. Okay. okay, let's move on. Now, we, uh, we talked about movies that we saw recently, uh, or not so recently, if we haven't seen anything recently, that we liked and would recommend that you watch, perhaps in lieu of uh, Law Abiding Citizen. Well, uh, I'm going to go first, guys. Uh, two nights ago, I went to see the midnight showing of Iron Man 2. What? Midnight showing? I know. He just couldn't wait. Yeah, I couldn't wait. I had to see what was going to happen. And uh, then I had to leave after about 30 minutes because my girlfriend got sick. But the first 30 minutes were really good. <laughs> I really enjoyed mm. it. So I recommend the first 30 minutes of Iron Man 2. And do you recommend uh, leaving because your girlfriend gets sick at that point? Uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, because well, um, well, she would appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. she'd appreciate it. Shows it. you're a really nice guy. If you don't go, shh. Like, uh, I shut really up, wanted shut to up. see Iron Man too. I kind of wanted to see how Whiplash was going to fight Iron Man. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Um, and it like the first thirty minutes, it, they asked a lot of questions, and I'm <laughs> looking forward. See, yeah. I'm looking forward to see the answers. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> well, you're a real sweetheart, Stuart. That's yeah. what we learned. America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to recommend a movie I I watched called road games did you see all of it i saw all of it i first heard about it because it even was even though your wife got sick about 30 minutes in <laughs> yes i was like shut up <laughs> the I road games <laughs> i'm missing uh, the road games <laughs> just road games but uh well, they're the road the games. road games are in road games okay i uh i watched it on dvd it's uh, i saw i heard about this movie first because it was in that uh, movie not quite hollywood about exploitation films ah, yes um the recent documentary yeah, about uh, Australian exploitation, but uh, it uh, it stars Stacy Keach, who I always have enjoyed. Oh, star of the Ninth Configuration. Yeah, and it uh, has a very young Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Ah, star of Blue Steel. <laughs> and um, it's very and True Lies. <coughs> it's is she in that? Yeah, she must probably. have a small part. Uh, it's very uh, uh, overtly a like a, a Hitchcock. Uh, not not a pastiche, but it's very influenced by Hitchcock. The the movie's like about a long haul truck driver who has a uh, refrigerated truck full of meat, and there's a killer out there who's uh, been killing hitchhikers. And over the course of driving uh, the truck, it's sort of a rear window situation where he can like see into people's cars and there are people that he keeps passing. And he... so it's like midnight meat truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, he becomes convinced that one of the people that he sees is the uh, killer. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, I think that the, the late 70s, early 80s were kind of like the last gasp of like really f- good, fun, just solid thrillers. Like before everything got stupid and, and twist-oriented. This is a very carefully constructed suspense. And the guy who directed this... Um, you know, big Hitchcock fan, like I said, went on to direct uh, Psycho 2, which is a, a film that did not need to happen. But if it had to happen, you. Uh, Psycho 2 was a much better like sequel than you would sort of expect. So it's certainly saying, better than Psycho 3. Yeah. But, I mean, how's the twist at the end of Red Wars? <laughs> <laughs> no, no twist. But there is a dingo in, 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 the, in the movie. And the guy has a dingo that he, a he, a he drives around with. Not so really fun. much of a twist. No, I'm just saying it's fun. There's a dingo in it. Okay. <laughs> Elliot. Um, this is a movie I may have recommended on the show before, but maybe I, ha- I don't Ooh. think I have. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to see a lot of movies. And <laughs> the one I'm watching, I've seen three movies in a row now that I didn't particularly care for. Um, and I can tell you what they are. Sure, why not? I'm going to bag on some other movies while we're see, at it. Born on the 4th of July, which okay. I thought was meh. Not very good. The Cheap Detective, which I thought was meh. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, the, that was the follow-up to Murder by Death. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm nearing the end of Munchausen, the uh, 1943, I think it is, Nazi film about Baron Munchausen, huh. where there's nothing really Nazi in it. They wanted to make like a Technicolor big-budget fantasy film to compete with the other ones being made around that time, like Wizard of Oz and, I guess, <coughs> Thief of Baghdad and things like that. Nazi kids need uh, entertainment, too. Mm-hmm. And it is so, like, the they are so worried about the details of the time period and making sure everyone knows what's going on all the time and all the characters are jerks. So it's not that great. But there is, there is uh, topless women in it, which is strange huh, for, a, for a fantasy film from the 1940s. But... uh 
a movie that I watched uh, rewatched recently uh, to show it to my fiance when she wasn't feeling so well and get her mind off of things was uh, this movie called Dames, which I don't know if I've talked about, hmm. which is a Busby Berkeley film from the 30s that's one of his less heralded ones, but I enjoy it more than 42nd Street and or many of his others about, and it's the same basic thing about like, these people want to put on a show, they need money, This the parents are, disapprove of this girl's wanting to be on the stage, blah, 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 but it's really goofy. Like, everything about it is really goofy and silly and as ludicrous as possible. The big names in it, aside from Dick Powell and Ruby Keeler, uh, Zazu Pitts, Mm, Guy sure, Kibbe, sure, Zazu, Hugh Herbert, uh-huh. big names, household names. Oh yeah, <laughs> but like kind of the the cream of the crop of the like supporting players that were at. Uh, I guess it was. Yeah, I've heard of one one out of three of those people you mentioned. What com- I don't even remember what studio it was MGM or Warner Brothers or something. But like the the cream of the crop of like the second tier guys, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really goofy and silly. And there are some musical numbers in it that, being Busby Berkeley numbers, are crazy, and are just uh, there's. One uh, that I've shown people a number of times called The Girl at the Ironing Board, where uh, Joan Blondell, who's the other big star in it, is a 19th century laundress singing about her love, her crushes that she has on all the customers at the laundry just based on the underwear that she, that they send in, that she has to wash, and how Kinky. turned on she is by washing this underwear. Wow. So this is a movie from 1934, I think, um, and it's a lot of fun. You know? Sure. All right, so that's three recommendations for Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> so um, I guess that's it, guys. Yeah, it's been good. Well, it feels good getting back in the saddle. We were a little yeah. rusty. Yeah, you know. Well, I'm, I'm just not very funny, so. What? Yeah, I was waiting for you guys to, you know, make me feel <sighs> I refuse to dignify it. I was waiting for compliments. Thanks, thanks, dude. No, you're really, come on, Stuart. Oh, you're, you're the glue that holds you guys us together. Are crazy. You're the Michelangelo. Okay, come on, you're I the won't. Raphael. I won't buy the, I don't the buy the crossbow. Come yeah, on. Yeah, if anyone has a job for Stuart, right in. Yeah. Weird, yeah. Harness the power of the internet. I'm yeah. a lot like Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> He's the Wolverine I'm, of the group. I'm the best at what I do, bub. Uh, and what you do is, is it pretty? No, never. <laughs> or rarely, at least. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm surprised you've talked about your prowess so much on, in public and, and the size of your penis that you haven't gone in for pleasuring women who order pizzas with extra anchovies. You know, I considered it, but... Um, I figured I'd spend too much time learning how to dance with them and like helping them kind of solve their various issues. And now I'm not really into that. All right. I see. Well, you could just deliver pizzas then. Oh, yeah. To, lonely, mean, yeah. to lonely California housewives. Divorcees. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. We'll continue to job counsel Stuart off air. But for now, uh, I've been Dan McCoy. Uh, I've been Stuart Wellington. I am Ellie Kalen, now and forever, no beginning or end. Wow. A turtle. Meow. <laughs> Where did you pick that up? <laughs> and then I inherited singing meow to every song. Yeah, well, it works. It works, biatch. <laughs> well, you can sing pretty much anything to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Not the not the uh, meow mix song. <coughs> no. Can't sing meow to that. <laughs> <laughs>